Ballarat 27 was considered among the most erudite, if heterodox, theologians of the day in the areas of New Testament higher criticism and new methods of historical, textual, and literary analysis. He contrasted Strauss's mythological interpretation of the life of Jesus with a more promising quest of the historical Jesus. He thought that unscientific theologians had reduced the life of Jesus to absurdity and only by giving Jesus a living relation to real history might the original truth of Jesus be regained. Bauer responded to Strauss carefully in a manner appropriate to Hegel's theology, and his challenges were evidently more sophisticated than Strauss's could meet because Strauss evaded responding to him with the feeble excuse that Bauer's arguments were, quote, a foolish bit of pin-pushing, unquote. To justify his refusal to debate Bauer, and to defend his claim to use Hegel's name, Strauss published the book entitled In Defense of My Life of Jesus Against the Hegelians, 1838, which contains a clever ploy still in use today. Strauss could claim to be Hegelian if we divide Hegelians into three categories, right, center, and left, with Bruno Bauer on the right and himself on the left. Grossly misrepresenting Bauer to make his seem merely orthodox, Strauss closed the debate with further, without further ado. However, he can contradict himself. In that same book, Strauss admitted that when Hegelians protest the Hege that Hegel himself would not have recognized Strauss's work as an expression of Hegelian thought. He frankly agreed. Bauer noted that Strauss did not attend against Hegel's lectures, so his knowledge of Hegel's theology was secondhand, and he misunderstood the Hegelian vision of his subconsciousness, profoundly transforming toward the absolute. Bauer spent years attempting to explain this point of, to a public that clamored for David Strauss. The scandal of the book entitled The Life of Jesus Critically Examined had severe repercussions from the right wing, but no less from the left wing. It was the political interest of both the extreme right and left wings to claim that Strauss was Hegel's main representative, since parties from both sides wanted to label Hegel as a non-believer. Page 11, small xi, heading the attack from the right. Bauer was a victim of a government that dreaded the scientific study of religion. In 1835, Galeans had a friend, the Minister of Education, Carl Altenstein, who worked to place George Gobbler, 
G-A-B-L-E-R, Hegel's choice for his successor in Hegel's old chair. But Friedrich Wilhelm IV, heir to the throne, opposed this appointment and reserved the seat for Friedrich Schelling, S-C-H-E-L-L-I-N-G, who was an outspoken opponent of Hegelian philosophy. Altenstein appointed Bauer at Bonn University and Arnold Rouge at Hale University, H-A-L-L-E, and also could be Hall University, Haley University. Also supported the newspaper of the Hegelian movement, the Halish Jabukar, H-A-L-L-I-S-C-H-E, capital J-A-R-B-U-C-H-E-R, a beacon for the freedom of thought, speech, and press. However, in 1840, Altenstein died, succeeded by Johann Eichhorn, E-I-C-H-H-O-R-N, and in the same year, the monarch Friedrich Wilhelm III also died, succeeded by Friedrich Wilhelm IV. The new monarch and the new monarch was opposed in theological rationalism, deism, the Enlightenment, skeptics, and Hegelians, and was keenly interested in a state ecclesiastical policy of Orthodox Christianity in which a monarch might even serve as a bishop. In 1841, Schelling assumed Hegel's philosophy chair in Berlin, and in 1842, Eichhorn uh, denied Bruno Bauer the right to teach in any Prussian university. The government also banned the Heilish Jubakar, prompting Arnold Rouge to cry out that Prussia held the vision of its own greater philosophers, Kant, Fichte, F-I-C-H-G-E, and Hegel. Prussian officials did not care to hear Hegelian voices. They wanted to hear conservative voices, so they removed nearly all Hegelians from their post, and so contributed to the widespread civil and student unrest in Germany through 1848. Hegelians had become transformed from the academic leaders of the times into underground editors. As the monarch suppressed freedoms of religion, press, and speech, many students moved toward the left and proclaimed this toward tyranny and the irrational to be a bad omen for the future of Germany. Page 12. Little XII. Bauer was understandably outraged at this ban on his lectures. He was one of the most promising intellectuals of his day, and so it was an obvious injustice that a so-called Christian government would deny him the opportunity to follow in Hegel's footsteps. He evidently turned against this government and resolved to lampoon all conservative, fundamentalist interpretations of Christianity that are officially overtaking the more intelligent interpretations of Scripture that he, like Hegel, grow so hard to advance. For Bauer, Christianity had received a severe blow 
from the rudest variety of Christianity ascended to the throne of Prussia. In 1841, he composed his ironic trumpet in collaboration with Karl Marx. And by the end of 1841, Bauer was clearly a lonely voice of reason in a world of believers. When the government censored him, his classics seemed to grow larger. So the government learned to simply ignore Bauer. Bauer, for his part, preferred negative publicity to the silent treatment. As he explained to his friend Al Rouge, one of Berlin's most radical publishers in those days. In a tongue-in-cheek letter written in December of 1841, Rouge caught this glimpse of Bauer's psychology. Quote, I hold lectures here at the university before a large audience. I don't recognize myself when I express my blasphemies on the podium. My blasphemies are so huge that they make the hairs of my students stand on end. These little children who should never be distressed by anyone and who imagine at the same time how piously I labor at home on my apologetic of the Holy Scripture and the Revelation. Anyway, it is very evil. It is a very evil demon that seizes me each time I mount the podium. And I'm so weak that I absolutely give way to it. Since the government does not seem to dare do anything against me, it would be very good if you could find ways and means to publicly accuse me in the Leipzig General newspaper and in the Augsburger. Sadly, in this affair, the Prussian government seems completely absurd in their normal tendency towards hypocrisy. They publicly make false outward shows in their newspapers, pretending to suppress vice, but secretly they allow this very vice to reveal itself in all frankness and to spread. They have been so successful in the Berlin, nobody believes it is page XIII13. True that I hold any lectures. So, will you please do your Christian duty and warn the government about the results of their weakness? Tell these lofty gentlemen that one finds it alarming if they still continue to make room for such an evil demon. I myself will not change for the philosophy of faculty out of my own free will. My blasphemous spirit will only find satisfaction when I receive official authorization as a professor of theology to preach my system of atheism to the public. Hopefully, however, they will think more about the safety of their souls. Letter from Bruno Bauer to Arnold Rouge, December 6, 1841.